Thursday, and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Daily Walk. I'm your host, Wayne Clevenger, and today we are in Acts 5 through 7, and the church rolls on, regardless of if we try to shortchange it. (laughs) Yeah, today we are in Acts 5, and Acts 5 starts off with Ananias and Sapphira, and you know, Jesus taught us that we should tithe but he also told us we should take care of our families right but in this case they talk about peter talks about shortchanging or cheating the holy spirit because ananias and sapphira are being deceptive and what happens is the early church the people are bringing their money to help support the church, and Ananias and Sapphira don't do their share because they want to keep some for their own personal gain. Now, there's a difference between, you know, what you have earmarked that you have to have for. Uh, you know, paying your mortgage and your car payments and your health care bills and stuff like that, you know, and getting groceries, the stuff that you have to live on. But then there's a difference in, no, I need this because I want to have money to play. And so Ananias and Sapphira, they were supposed to bring the money from this property they sold and give it to the church. And when Ananias shows up, he shows up with what was supposedly his share of the property sold. And that's what he said. But he, in fact, he was keeping some for play money. And the Holy Spirit sees that. He knows the intention of our hearts. And Jesus has always said, God's always said, bring of your first fruits. Don't bring me your leftovers. Bring of your first fruits so I can multiply that. And so when Ananias is asked, well, actually, Ananias didn't get asked because Peter sees it right from the beginning. Remember, Jesus told us, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So Peter knew right from the beginning Ananias was being uh, deceptive. And so he asked him, how could you do a thing like this? You're not lying to us, but to God. And as soon as he said this, Ananias falls over dead. So they wrap him up, take him out, and then Sapphira comes in. And so that's when Peter asked him, was this the price you and your husband received for the land? And she replies, yes. Well, Peter's already been tipped off that, no, this is deceptive practice they're doing. The Holy Spirit knows. The Holy Spirit's clued me in. 
And they're not lying to me, they're lying to God. And so Peter says, hey, you're going to end up in the same place your husband did for trying to lie to the Holy Spirit and test and conspire against the Holy Spirit. And when he says this, she falls over dead. So then they carry carry her out, and the two are buried together side by side. And so when the church sees that, this is the time of the early church, it really behooves them. I mean, they are, like, afraid, like, oh. So the point of this is not to put fear in people. Oh, I got to give my tithe. I got to give my tithe. No, it's not that at all. It's really to help people see that God knows our hearts. And if we're given with a cheerful heart, you know, Malachi talks about give with a cheerful heart. God loves a cheerful giver. Then God will bless that. And, and here's a true story. You know, we, we live tightly, let's put it that way, but we always tithe what we give or what we get, and we always tithe of our first fruits. Well, Lord blessed us on uh, past appreciation month, so I tithed what I got, and I, even though we really needed to, use that for bills and stuff like that, I tithe what I got, and I just trusted the Lord. And as I gave that tithe, I'm just thinking, man, we could really do that, but the Lord has always blessed us. And I'm not kidding you. I tithed what I got, and the ne- that very same day, the same amount that I tithe, God blessed us with more of that same amount from somewhere else. And I'm just like, that's that's so how God works. Because his word tells you, if you give of your first fruits, he's going to bless you with more that will overflow into your lap, pressed down, shaken up. And it's just so cool to see how God, and I'm just like, oh, that's so you, God. That's so how you work. And so, it's so appreciative. Now we'll give her that too. And it's so amazing to just be blessed like that and see how God works. And that's what he's really trying to tell us in this is, you know, just trust the Lord. He will take care of everything. And so after that, the apostles, remember the ones called of God, the 12, they go around and their people are seeing the miracles and the great works they're doing. And so they heal more people, and people were brought to them to be healed and prayed over, and people were even to the point where they were like, oh, man, if we could just get in Peter's shadow because the Lord's member, I will, you will be able to do the things I have done and more, Jesus said, when, and then he gives them the power of the Holy Spirit, and he told us that. You will have great power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So they're exercising that, and all that stuff comes to be. And so when all this stuff comes up, you can guess that those high priests, (laughs) the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're going to be angry because people are following them, and they're talking about Jesus. Remember, they told them not to talk about Jesus. So they put them in jail, but here's what happens. While they're in jail, an angel of the Lord come at night and opened the gates of the jail and brought them out. 
but he didn't say go hide. The angel of the Lord said go back to the temple and give the people the message of life. So he says go back to what you're doing. Do what you're called to do. So they go right back to the temple and they start teaching. At daybreak, they start teaching the message of good news, you know, telling people about Jesus. So that morning when the temple guards go back to the jail to get the men out of jail, guess what? Nobody's there. So they go back to the Pharisees and Sadducees and they say, uh, we went to the jail and it was securely locked, but there was nobody in there. And the whole time they're telling them that, you know, they're all standing around like, oh, wow, what is going on? Some people come running in and say, hey, man, the men you put in jail last night are standing in the temple teaching the people. So, of course, the temple guards go and they get them and they bring them back before the high council. And the high council's like, hey, didn't we tell you not to be teaching about this man's name? And Peter once again says, didn't we say we must obey God rather than human authority? And then Peter gets really bold with them again. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. So bold, Peter gets really bold again, and he's kind of reminding him that Jesus that you killed hanging him on a cross, but he rose from the grave again. He's the Prince of Peace, Savior of all things, and we witness this stuff, and the Holy Spirit gives us power, and you can be saved by him. All that call on his name can be saved. So this gets them all riled up, and they want to kill him. But then a Pharisee named Gamaliel, he says, whoa, 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 wait, let's have a close session. So he has a closed session with these guys, and he says, hey, listen, fellas, I know what you're trying to do here, but a long time ago there was a bunch of guys, and they got about 400 people to follow them, and he had this uproar, but he ends up dying, and all the people go their own way, and the movement kind of just fizzled out. So here's my advice to you. If these men are really just another one of these fad-like things, you need to just leave them alone because eventually it'll just fizzle out like these other guys did. But if these men are truly from God, you'll not be able to overthrow them because you'll find yourselves truly fighting against God. So they thought about it a minute and said, yeah, if he's really just a fad, okay, you're right. So they accepted this advice that Gamaliel gave them, had the disciples, you know, the apostles, specifically Peter and John, flogged. And guess what? The apostles that were doing this, they were like rejoicing that God thought they were worthy to suffer such disgrace in the name of Jesus. 
And so they got their flogging, and then they just continued every day in the temple preaching and teaching the name of Jesus, the Messiah. Remember, Jesus said they'd be persecuted, and he said that people will hate you because they hated me first. And so they just know that to be like Jesus doesn't mean just to love people, do works and wonders for like Jesus, but that there would be some persecution like Jesus had too. And a lot of times we forget that. Yeah, we want to be like Jesus. We want to love people. We want to be good to people. But remember, he was ridiculed and persecuted too. So a lot of times there'll be some suffering like Jesus had too, and we got to remember that. So the story goes on, and, and the church is growing, and they find out that there's a need for like some stewards in the church, like a church board, part of a church board, because people are grumbling because the the, the apostles are busy preaching all the time, you know, so they aren't having time to do some of the other churchy work, you know, like the daily distribution of food. So the apostles say, hey, let's select, here's let's what let's do. How about let's select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom, and we'll have them be in charge of the food distribution. People thought about it. They said, yeah, that's a good idea. Remember, they've grown to like 5,000 now. So, Everyone liked the idea, and they chose these people. And this is important because we got to think about these names because they're going to come up. At least the first one we're going to hear about really big. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. That's how he's described. That's in parentheses in your Bible. Philip. Okay, we'll hear about Philip again too. Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. That's in parentheses. Okay. So these seven rep were representatives to the apostles for this food distribution plan. Okay. So the apostles pray over them, laid hands on them, prayed over them, and commissioned them to handle that part of the church so they are like the first part of a church board so to speak and they handled it well but here's what's interesting Stephen was from the Hellenization period he's a converted Greek the Hellenization period was the time when they had all the Bible uh, the book of Moses printed in Greek so that people could read it and understand it, okay? And so he's a converted Greek, so he is one that they really trust, but he's full of, look at what it says, full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And he's got a testimony. And so he is not only handing out food, but he is also witnessing about Jesus. And because he's so full of the Holy Spirit witnessing about Jesus, some people start telling lies about him and they get him arrested. So he goes and stands before this council, just like Peter John did, Peter and John did. And he starts telling them 
the history of the Bible, starting way back with Abraham. He goes through Abraham, he goes through Moses, the Exodus, Joseph. I mean, he goes Abraham, Joseph, Moses, the Exodus. I mean, he's going through the whole Bible. That's what Acts 7 is about. He carries them clear through the Bible. He even went through Joseph being sold into slavery and becoming the Pharaoh's right-hand man and and how they would be, you know, Abraham was the promised land originally, then they would be in exile, or not really in exile, but they'd have to go to Egypt for 400 years to escape famine, and, and then they would come back to the promised land with Joshua. And I mean, he just goes through the whole history, which is so cool. That's what seven is. If you need a quick history lesson of what the Old Testament was, read Acts 7 because Stephen does a great job summarizing it. But in the as he gets through the summary of it and gets to the Messiah, he, he does what Peter does, and he tells them that, you stubborn people, you're a heathen at heart because you're deaf to the truth for you forever resist the Holy Spirit because he knows that they're the ones, you know, just like Peter said, they're the ones that crucified Jesus. And he's like, you're the ones that betrayed and murdered the Messiah. You deliberately disobey God, but yet you, you're the ones that are supposed to be teaching it. Well, of course, this gets these Jewish leaders, this council, upset with him, and they start putting their hands over their ears, and they're, like, mad at him, and so they rush him and drag him out of town and start stoning him. This is Stephen, this converted Greek who is in charge of the food pantry. Yet he's the one given this massive witness about Jesus, his Messiah. What's that tell you? That it doesn't matter what your job is in a church or where you work or what position you hold somewhere. When Jesus is in your heart, you can tell people what God has done for you. Because Stephen realizes how awesome it is to be a child of God. See, we he might have been Greek. He's not Hebrew. He's not Jewish. He's not anything. He's kind of a, a Greek-Jewish mix, I guess, if we look at it close enough. But what's real is he's none of that because now he's a child of God. See, when we become born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter what race or ethnicity we are. We become one with Christ. We are of a new generation, a new race. And when we get to heaven, it's not going to be, oh, here's those guys and here's these guys. We are one. That's what Jesus prayed for us in John 17, that we be united, not divided. And man, that's so cool. But guess what? They don't want to hear that, so they drag him out. And so they start stoning him. And, you know, his face at one point was shining bright, and they were looking at him. That's when he got arrested. They were all seeing that because he was like seeing heaven, you know. 
And as he's fallen to his knees getting stoned to death, because they kill him. Luke points out in this that they put their coats at, so they can throw better at the feet of a young man. We're going to find out who that young man was who's there witnessing that. It's a young Pharisee. And as Stephen has fallen to the ground, you know, dying from the, being pelted with giant rocks, he says something that's very familiar that we heard the Messiah say, Jesus, as he was dying on the cross. Remember, Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's what he said to, the, to his heavenly father about all these people that are doing bad things to him. Well, as Stephen has given up his spirit and about to go to heaven because he's being stoned to death, getting rocked by these giant rocks, Stephen shouts out to the Lord as he falls to his knees, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. <laughs> Isn't that familiar? How many of us could do that when people treat us so harshly? And we, because, you know, the human tendency is to get even. But yet, even like, now there's some people I know that that are very judgmental. They're very treating us uh, not really nice. And then they turn around and ask us for things. And it's like, you know, how do we treat that? Jesus said, love your enemies. And another word for that, love your adversaries. If we look at what Jesus did and what he did for us, I mean, even in the last moments, Jesus knew who his betrayer was, and he washed his feet. Jesus knew who his betrayer was, and he had the last supper with him. He always gives us a chance. So here is Stephen getting stoned and no, and sees who's throwing the rocks at him, and he's saying, forgive them. Remember Jesus said in, in Matthew 5, or Matthew 6, verse, I think, 15, that if we forgive others, then our Father in heaven will forgive us. But if we don't forgive, then he won't forgive us. That's huge. So I have to think that as Stephen is dying and asking the father to forgive them, Stephen, even though they're throwing rocks at him and he's seeing it and he knows they're killing him, he knows they just don't get it. He's saying, you know, you're wrong in what you're doing, but I forgive you. How many of us could do that today? You're wrong in what you're doing. But I know you don't get it, So, but I forgive you. So, how's your forgiveness today? Could you be that person? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Really good stuff we learned from Stephen today. And how's your testimony? 
Could you testify? Could you be a witness to others, even in the face of persecution? You don't have to be as bold as them, but if the door opens, could you share what Jesus has done in your life? The opportunity awaits on this Thursday. Ask the Lord to guide you and empower you through his Holy Spirit. Have a great Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow where we'll learn who that young man was. They laid their coats at his feet. Have a great Thursday. Word of God speak. Would you pour down like rain? Washing my